Hello and welcome to a Tuesday episode of the State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Rapay, he's Chris Danziel, and she is Catherine Ryan. Catherine, I have a question for you. Have you always been Catherine? I'm just, this is a branding question. Have you ever gone by like Kathy, Kate? Uh, no, I actually haven't. Uh, it was sort of a product of A, my mom didn't want me to go by a nickname. And when I went to grammar school, there were a bunch of other Catherines who all had nicknames. So I just stuck with the full name and it's sort of a, been my trademark ever since. <laughs> Stop people from calling me really anything they can think of. Uh, everyone sort of takes it upon themselves to decide. But yeah, I've been called anything in the book, but I pretty much just go by my full name. It's just never <laughs> come across my mind. Like, should I ask to call her something else? Does she go by a shortened name? Uh, if you do, I'll call you Jean. <laughs> it's funny because I was always Eugene until I got to Nova and everyone started calling me Jean. And I was like, oh, I guess I got to get used to it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's been decided. So we had uh, quite the game on Saturday. I mean, there was just a bunch of different storylines between Baker coming back, a banner being raised, and just a lopsided win over Quinnipiac. And a lopsided There's... banner. Did you see it? it no, I have not. Awesome. No, what was wrong with it? It's like it's probably like eight or nine inches shorter. And they look completely different. Oh, God. Oh. They yeah, they do look different. I didn't realize the leave it to Villanova to put the final touches. Yeah, like that. Of course. Yeah, and then of course the the clock malfunction at first oh, at the pavilion cool. and then at the Wells Fargo Center. <laughs> like a twenty minute delay. Yeah, it was. It's funny too. The Flyers played there earlier in the day. Like I, I know yeah, that it's not the same clock, out. but still, you thought they would have figured it I out. I guess they got to rewire it all after they take the hockey rink out. Yeah, I guess. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's about a possibility. Yeah, Chris, that's definitely your your forte. I wouldn't know much about hockey <laughs> yeah, setup. I, I don't know if they have to rewire it. That's a good question. I, well, I, I would just imagine you have to wheel the baskets on, and then I guess you have to hook them yeah. up. Or something. Oh, I guess you're right. I, I never even consider that. Well, learn something new every day. It's a good thing that all these Villanova fans were very patient. It also looked like a pretty packed house. Yeah, I think 10,000 people showed up. I was looking at some of the stats because it was showing me that if those 50% capacity, but obviously the 20,000 seat arena, that seems respectable. I mean, I thought for a Saturday night, maybe they'd get some more people, but I don't know. Decent yeah. turnout, more than they could fit in the pavilion. And also only so much you could do with Quinnipiac. Sorry, Baker. Sorry. <laughs> And the tickets weren't even really that cheap because I was looking sort of uh, like Friday afternoon thinking about making the trip. And, you know, it wasn't a cheap ticket. Yeah, it was like 30 Yeah, with fees and everything and then having to get to Philly, maybe people just said pass. Yeah, But there was a good turnout for Villanova's 86-53 to victory over the Bobcats. I would say this was probably more of just a – we knew what the result was going to be, but let's see how everyone does now in Game 2 after getting all the jitters out in that first – season opening game against Morgan State. You come back against Quinnipiac. You got one under your belt. And overall, it was pretty interesting. The first half was probably where most of the action came out. But the second half was definitely for the youngsters. Just looking at the box score, big game for Phil Booth. 23 points, 5 assists, 3 rebounds, a pair of steals. Then you look at Colin Gillespie dialing up 16 points, 4 for 6 from deep. Eric Pascal had 11 points, 8 rebounds. And then for Quinnipiac, all you had was just Young. Young was pretty much their whole team. He came out there with 18 points to lead the Bobcats. What were your guys' impression of this one? We knew what was going to happen. With the first game was definitely left left a little more to be desired. But what did you think about the second game? 
I mean, where to start? You kind of touched on it before. There are about a hundred different storylines, depending on what you wanted to zero in on. I think we should start probably with the defense because I think that was something in the first game we were concerned about. And and Quinnipiac obviously isn't a great team, but they're a little bit better uh, than our first opponent in terms of probably testing us, I guess, into you know how the switching and how it would all set up. I thought the defense was much better. What surprised me in the beginning is the scouting report on Quinnipiac shows that they like to shoot from the outside. They don't have much of an inside game. And you, you saw Villanova almost trying to bait them to go inside. I mean, Quinnipiac was basically driving to the bucket, probably on their like first 10 or 15 possessions uh, before they really just started jacking up threes, sort of like what we expected them to do. But Villanova was kind of baiting them into the paint and then you know either going for a block from behind or trying to strip them in the lane, which I thought was an interesting sort of wrinkle of the Villanova defense uh, in terms of the fact that a lot of these guys are young and they're still learning the switching. But I did think the the inside defense, the switching in and off, um, defending the pick and roll and things like that uh, actually looked pretty good. I mean, Quinnipiac couldn't shoot from the outside, so Villanova didn't really need to extend the defense that much. That was never really going to be much of a threat. But I did think the perimeter defense was pretty good and the inside defense was surprisingly good because honestly, I didn't think Quinnipiac would really be getting the ball in there with as much frequency as they did. Yeah, on my end, I just want to focus on the offense a bit. It was kind of a blessing in disguise for me that Pascal kind of got into foul trouble early because I wanted to see the young guys play a lot more minutes, and it it led to you know Quinterly playing some more, Samuels a lot more as well, playing 26 minutes, and then Sadiq Bay showing off his abilities for 22 minutes, and I I thought he had another strong game, and then Colin Gillespie offensively too had a great game. It was an absolute air raid from him, four or six from. From deep, so I was I was pretty impressed uh, on the offensive side from the, from the young guys. Uh, DCR did some nice things. He had some nice jam, uh, putback jams. It was a good thing to to see these guys put together a steady offensive game without Pascal. Bay is just incredibly efficient for a freshman. I mean, he was three for four, six rebounds, two assists, two blocks, and no fouls. Uh, and I think he played almost thirty minutes, something like that. I mean, that's just an incredible stat line from. Um, such a young player. I mean, you've seen Quinterly come in and struggle. You've seen Swider come in and struggle. Slater hasn't really gotten a lot of minutes, but they've sort of been asked to fill this sort of like third option role behind Booth and Pascal. And I've just been surprised at how well he's been able to handle it. And there really hasn't been any sort of weakness in his game that anyone's been able to exploit. He doesn't really try to do too much, but he's just so incredibly efficient and, and really active on both sides of the ball, which I just think has been something that really nobody immediately expected. Oh, yeah. He has been amazing. I mean, you just got to give shout outs to Brendan Riley and Chris Lane. They were on the Sadiq Bay bandwagon <laughs> before everyone else. And I really hope there's a lot more room left because I know I'm hopping on and maybe like, I don't know, 20,000 more nationers right behind me. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's been incredible. His size is one of the most underrated things that I don't think you actually appreciate until you watch him play, just how he can be so physical and body people up and make space. I mean, he plays like a veteran and he's a freshman, which is just amazing. He had that nice step back toward the end of the first half. I, I liked a lot. He, he just, with the shot clock winding down, he, he has a good sense of the game and I, I like how he's been playing so far. Yeah. And the other thing too, that, that Chris Lane tweeted, this isn't an exact quote, but he tweeted Not something along. Chris Lane podcast. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I thought he had a great point after that first game, you know, everyone was, it was probably the strangest 100 to 77 victory over Morgan State in the sense that uh, even though Villanova put up 100, they just gave up all the shots to Morgan State and their defense was just leaving a lot of question marks for the, the next game in the future. But then he he tweeted out something along the lines of, uh, you know, as terrified as it was for Villanova basketball, I'm feeling a lot better seeing all these other college basketball teams play. And it's just been 
very underwhelming across the board. I mean, outside of the obvious, like Duke, everyone just seems to have it just way worse than we did. And now all of a sudden, you know, you look at it in the second game, vastly improved, vastly improved from the first, just all around. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things where you continue to think about the fact that you have young, unexperienced players without realizing that everyone's in the same boat. So to the extent our freshmen are struggling and we have very good freshmen, other other schools that have less good freshmen are going to struggle even more. I mean, Kentucky has great freshmen and they went down to the wire with Southern Illinois the other day. So, I mean, I think growing pains is a part of these early games, which it's nice to see us moving in the right direction. I will say the offense gave me a little bit to, uh, I guess, be desired. I, I kind of wanted to see a little bit of more fluidity. You definitely saw it getting stagnant at times, sort of passing around the arc, waiting for someone to make a move and you basically saw Booth use those opportunities to take people off the dribble and, and get into his mid-range game, which sort of opened it up a little bit. But I think that might be a product of having a lot of young guys because they're a little bit more hesitant. They're a little bit more tempted to drift away from the action. They want us to try to find a spot uh, and hopefully get the ball there to hit the shot as opposed to maybe creating some space or trying to get creative. So I think that would be something I'd like to see. I don't know if Michigan's going to be the, the game that that will happen, but I think as the next few games unfold, I think I'd like to see the offense be a little bit more fluid with the young guys trying to get involved more as opposed to just waiting for the ball to sort of find them in the right spot. Totally, especially in that second half. I don't know what it was but it just it stagnant is definitely the word that i was that just came to mind just a lot of passiveness just Mm -hmm. it didn't seem like that they were aggressive i don't know if it was just a matter of people still getting used to playing with each other or just getting the system down pat or just as you said the growing part of just came with growing pains but yeah it just didn't seem it's just felt like in the second half the foot came off the gas pedal a little bit for sure i i definitely agree with that and i think someone who improved from from the first game uh, a little bit, but still kind of remained passive in my opinion was was JQ. Little to be desired there. I, I mean, I obviously love him as a prospect, but I mean, these first two games have been a little bit rough. Yeah, I think there's two main issues you have with him. One, you have the idea that he makes his money off the dribble. He makes his money taking people to the rim. He makes his money breaking ankles. That's just sort of where his primary skill set is. And that doesn't really fit into this system that well because we're not really asking that of him. We're asking him to move the ball. We're asking him to get open. We're asking him to constantly be moving. And I don't think that's a part of his game that he's had to thus far develop. So what you see him trying to do is trying to force the issue with the dribble. I mean, he had three turnovers yesterday. He got pickpocketed in the lane a couple of times. He wasn't finishing at the rim. I mean, he's reverting to what he knows to try to get some confidence, which I can understand. But in the long term, I don't really think that's a skill set that the offense necessarily needs to rely on. And he sort of needs to find a balance between what he can do in isolation and what he should be doing in the flow of the offense. And in that same vein, he's a perfect example of what we were saying about the freshman being a little bit more passive. You'll sort of see he'll just sort of park somewhere, uh, you know, on the weak side, on the opposite side, and just hope that the ball sort of makes the rounds and hits him in the right spot. He's not necessarily making a lot of fast cuts. He's not necessarily looking for the ball. He's just sort of posting up somewhere he's comfortable and hoping that, you know, the stars align and he can hit a shot from there. And I mean, he was dismal yesterday from the field. He and Swider both, I mean, combined, they went one for 11. They're both just clearly trying to force shots to, to get in on the action as opposed to maybe trying to adjust what they're looking to do to fit the offense. Because I think the points will come, but they're going to come in the flow of the offense. They're not going to come with, you know, Quinterly, uh, you know, taking someone off the dribble uh, in the midst of our offense because that's just not what it's designed to do. Yeah, I completely agree with you there, Catherine. Uh, Swider did seem like he was pressing at times, and 
impressed so much that he ended up fouling out. It, it was uh, not a, not the greatest performance from him. And it, he, there was like a few shots there, where, especially from deep, that it just kind of felt forced. And I felt like they could have got a better shot during that possession, but uh, he felt the need to, to chuck it up. But I mean, obviously still growing pains, like you said, and they're young and it's only the first two games. So I'm, I'm sure they'll turn around. Wider is just also much slower than I realized. I, I don't think I necessarily thought he was going to be quick, but you just saw you know, his defensive assignments, just players were just blowing by him. And I don't know if that was a product of getting into foul trouble early and also trying to force the shot, you know, one can sort of feed the other, but that's a sort of a defensive liability. I mean, he can't be in there um, and constantly losing his assignments and then being too slow to either catch up to his own man or pick up someone else's. So that's going to be something interesting to see because, you know, even if he's shooting lights out, if he's going to be sort of a liability on the defensive end at the expense of putting in someone uh, that gives us a little bit more length and quickness, that's going to be something Jay's going to have to figure out. On JQ, yeah, that was definitely one thing I noticed. He does look to do ISO a lot. And when he's not, when he doesn't have the ball, he just doesn't really do too much movement off the ball. He just kind of hopes to get open, sneak behind the defense and just call for the ball. And then hopefully, you know, he does make his shot. But I will say it's it's been a rough few days for Jelly JQ. Between <laughs> us, between Malik Waynes, Sterling Gibbs, Chris Lane, View Hoops. <laughs> Hasn't been easy. I love him. I love him. I, I I almost just want him to do whatever he needs to do to, you know, get his jelly going, I guess. But it's it's definitely going to be interesting because obviously Jay recruited him for a long time. Jay knows what he brings to the table. Jay knows what he's been relying on. So it's not like Jay doesn't think he can't fit into the system. It's just when you take a look at his mixtape or something and you're like, oh, this is how he this is how he plays. This is what he does. This is what he's good at. That doesn't really fit in what Villanova's offense is doing. Like we're not looking to spread the floor and have him take guys one-on-one. That's just not how the offense is designed. So it'll be interesting to see what Jay envisions, I guess, as this compromised JQ, you know, where he's got his skills and he can use them if he wants to, but he's also fitting into what the offense as a whole is trying to do. And I'm just kind of curious what that's going to end up looking like. Yeah. Maybe it'll be something kind of like Jalen Brunson where, you know, first year, first two years, he was a little, he was put on a leash, and then finally last year he was able to do whatever he wanted, and it was like Jalen, you could you have the green light of green lights, go for it. Yeah, and I mean Jalen Jalen had a post up game, which I don't I would be surprised if JQ has also considering Brunson was built like this little tank. JQ is the size difference is going to be an issue. I mean, the, people have commented in general that the physicality of the game might be an issue for him. Obviously, it's an issue if he's going to be trying to take people one on one to the rim. So I mean, that's an issue he's going to have to come over anyway if he were going to rely on that, but. Just in general, I don't know. I'm kind of just curious what he's going to – I mean, I was having visions of, like, that burn offense where Jay would basically move everyone out and someone would take someone one-on-one, and that was what Jelly was trying to do. And I was just sort of like, we're so much past that. Like, we need to be moving the ball around. And you, you're a good outside shooter. You're quick. You can get around your man. But, like, it's got to be in the flow of the offense. It can't just be, like, you coming over half court and just trying to make a play off the dribble 60 feet from the basket. That's just not going to work. So aside from the freshmen, what were your other observations? Who do you think really stepped it up from that first outing against Morgan State? Obviously, Booth and Pascal were still good, but uh, what did you see from the other guys? I thought Samuels was fantastic. I mean, I think he's he doesn't really necessarily make a ton of sexy plays or a lot of sexy baskets where you're like, oh, wow, you know, Samuels had a great game, but you just look at how he affects the defense and he's a great rebounder and he's athletic and he's sort of, 
in the fray down there extending plays. I think that's just a very undervalued thing that people aren't always noticing when they're watching the game. But, I mean, he had a great game yesterday. I thought he was just really quick down low and coming in off the bench. That's just the perfect sort of six man. If that ends up being the role that he fills, that's the perfect type of person to bring off the bench to just sort of try to get everybody else going. Cause he just extends plays and he's in there getting rebounds and putbacks. And I mean, if that's what it takes to sort of get people going and then I, we've seen him, you know, hit the 15 foot, 10 foot jumpers. We've seen him get the layups. We've seen him slash in the lane. I mean, he has a ton of skills. So, I mean, if he can get more comfortable and out of Jay's, you know, proverbial doghouse, which he was sort of in last year for, reasons not quite known you know if he can sort of cut down on the mental mistakes which he seems to be doing because he seems to be making like very smart plays and being in the right spot uh and he's only just going to get better and I think people forget how high of a recruit he was and you know what his projections were ultimately meant to be and I just think he's going to end up surprising a lot of people because he's a lot better than people think I kind of touched on it before but uh, I thought Gillespie had a great game uh, as I mentioned, four or six from deep, uh, a very nice six of nine from the field. But I, I thought he was just had a great all around game, able to play play pretty good defense. I thought he was taking open shots too. He wasn't passing on them, and I thought he was able to create the open shots for himself, especially from deep, just based on the offense. So I, I thought he had a good game, and I thought Cremo had a good game too, uh, two of five from deep and three of six from the field. And I thought they uh, vastly improved from their first go around uh, against Morgan State. Yeah, Cremo also got that start. Yeah, Cremo got the start, and DCR got a start too over Painter. And Painter didn't really come on until late in the game anyway, which, uh, which I guess was a little shocking that Jay kind of rolled with Painter at first in the first game to start, and then he went with DCR. And I thought DCR did also a pretty good job too in, in just a limited time. So we got a big game. We got a big game tomorrow. Putting Quinnipiac behind us. We got Michigan coming up, a rematch of the national championship game. All that hoopla, Beeline and company at the new pavilion, the Finn. What can we expect from this Michigan team that's 2-0? and And I'll be honest, that game against Holy Cross on Saturday was just it was not pretty. For anyone who missed it, you didn't really miss out on much, but that was just not the prettiest of games out there. Yeah, I mean, we actually now have some quote-unquote data points to look at because we now actually have Michigan playing two games when we were doing our preseason predictions and out-of-conference previews. We didn't, you know, we were looking back to the team of last year. This team is not the team of last year. <laughs> um, I mean, so they're basically, there's like a tale of two things. They've got Great defense. They're a top five defense in the country. They're very difficult to score on in the paint. They're very difficult to score on inside. Sort of depending on who they're playing, this will change with Villanova. They've played obviously two uh, mid to low major programs thus far. They're willing to give up the outside shot, but they're still going to make you uncomfortable going inside. And that's just, you know, they're they're sub 75 in three point defense, but their defense inside is top 15 in the country. So to the extent They've got something going there. I mean, Villanova's going to have to deal with that. I think if Villanova's hitting from the outside, that changes things on Michigan's end. They're going to have to adjust, maybe poke some holes in the uh, the inside defense. But my God, the Michigan Wolverines cannot buy a bucket. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it is outrageous. They are they rank 287th in the country in effective field goal percentage and 300th in three point percentage. I mean, it's incredible. They Holy, Holy Cross held them to 18 first half points. Holy Cross is a sub 180 defense. Yeah, that's that's not good. <laughs> they shot 15% from 3 and 36% from the field. I mean, that is it's just outrageous. I I don't it, it can't be something that's going to last. Obviously, Michigan is better than that, but whatever's going on right now, whether it's I don't think it's a personnel issue because they're playing they're playing their best players, but to the extent something is off, I don't know what it is. The system how beeline sort of structuring this what their their first and second options are but i mean that's sort of even hard to imagine villanova playing a michigan team that looks like that but that's 
how Michigan's playing right now. They've got a great defense, and their offense is horrendous. Defense has pretty much been their MO, but the, yeah, this this offensive drop-off has just been staggering. There's no way that no Mo Wagner just destroys everything, just destroys their offense. No Muhammad Ali, Abdul Rahman. Like, there's just like, – how? how? Just how? How? How does it happen? Especially when you have Charles Matthews back, who is just a great scorer, but it doesn't seem like he's getting much assistance anywhere else. Well, there is there is Ignis Brasdakis, <laughs> but that, that's about it. He dropped 20 points the other day or on Holy Cross. I mean, that's the thing, too. When you think about Michigan, you sort of assume that, you know, they've got all these players, but a lot of them have left. And the people they're relying on right now is you have Charles Matthews, who, like you said, he's a great scorer, but he can't really shoot from the outside. He makes all his money driving to the basket. He scored six points in the national championship game last year, tested the NBA waters, got, you know, resounding no's all around. Uh, and went back to college, and his game is off the dribble, but, you know, he's not a threat from the outside. He's not a great facilitator. He He's sort of their senior leader, but he's basically what's been left over from the national championship team. He's not one of those players that's going to make or break your team. And then they've got Iggy, like you said. I mean, he's great, but he's a freshman. He's got uh, this really nice, um, like, step-back move, and he's kind of shifty. But, you know, if you fall for it, he'll dribble to the basket. But he's sort of limited in what he can do as your typical forward. He's probably got a little bit better outside shooting than most. But then they've got those three sophomores that you hear about all the time. they got Jordan Poole. He hit that buzzer beater against Houston last year in the tournament. You have Isaiah Livers. And then you have Eli Brooks, who Villanova fans will remember as the prospect who told everyone Villanova was his dream school. And then we offered him, and he chose Michigan. So you can see him coming into the pavilion, his, his dream school, to see how he reacts. But... You know, these players are not difference makers either. I mean, Jordan Poole had three points in the national championship game. I think he's averaging something like four points this year. Livers, I think, is probably the best of the three. He's got a great pick and pop, a good passer, plays good defense. He's quick, but he doesn't always make the correct play. Sometimes he has lapses on defense. He's easy to exploit sometimes if you can can switch on him or, or get a screen. And Brooks, yeah, I mean, I think we sort of overvalued Brooks when we were considering him, but in reality... Uh, he's the type of player, I mean, no one was interested in. He's smart. He doesn't make bad, uh, he doesn't make that bad decisions. He's got decent range. He can hit threes. He's intelligent. But, you know, I think he was like a three-star three star prospect, maybe low four-star prospect. I mean, there isn't really necessarily any athletes on this team that are going to be a major problem for Villanova. There isn't really that name brand that you're going to have to contain. I think it's pretty even size-wide, but we have better athletes. And to the extent maybe the experience is an issue, I mean, Michigan's got three sophomores, Iggy's a freshman, and then you've got Charles Matthews, but, you know, we've got Booth and Pascal. So I don't really think this is what we thought it was going to be originally when you're thinking about, oh, Michigan's coming in, they're coming off a national championship um, appearance just like we are, but we've lost all these players and we've got all these young freshmen. I mean, Michigan doesn't really have a lot of good players right now. They're still a good team. These players are great, but, like, to the extent that they're going to be a big challenge for Villanova and Villanova's going to have to sort of be clawing back, like kind of how we envision the Kansas game going, this is just going to be different than I think we thought. I mean, the offense is struggling so bad. So to the extent Villanova can score points, I think Michigan's going to have a hard time keeping up. Yeah, and just adding to your scouting report there, Poole is shooting 10% on the floor. Yeah. Not, <laughs> not pretty. Not pretty. I mean, that's just – it doesn't even seem real. Yeah, they got no secondary scoring whatsoever. And then Xavier Simpson, like they're like other old guy. who's <laughs> a junior. Like he's basically a non-factor at this point. He was pitiful in the – in the national championship, he had a really bad game, and like this game, in this year, he's only averaging two points through two games, and he yeah. does, and he's shooting fourteen percent from the field. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the numbers just don't entirely make sense. I mean, you look at what you look at what they're doing and you look at who's scoring the points and it's Matthews and it's Iggy and nobody else seems to be doing anything. So I haven't actually watched them extensively. I, I saw a little bit of the Holy Cross game in the second half, but I, I mean, this will be interesting just from the point of seeing how Michigan operates because this offense is just confounding me on how 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 little the rest of these players are making an impact. Yeah, and Matthews is someone that Nova's seen before, so you know I'm sure all eyes will be on him. But with Braz Dacus, I feel like Villanova does a pretty good job of putting freshmen in their place. I, I don't know if it's okay. just experience, but or just something that Jay just has. But they they just, they just seem to do a great job of just shutting them down. And Braz Dacus, and you know, great games against Holy Cross and Norfolk State, but you know, Nova's not either of those two teams. Yeah, I've always said we're not Norfolk State. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean it's just it's just it's just wild i mean you look at it and it's, it's basically like they they have the stat line of like a, a walk-on like the you know the yeah, shooting yeah. percentages and the points per game i mean it's just that they're not even on the floor it looks like they're playing two players the entire game now on the defensive end do you think that their defense is i mean obviously coming into the season is supposed to be good but do you think it's kind of inflated a bit just because of the competition or do you think it's legitimately top five in the nation good no i don't think it'll be top five in the nation good by the end of the year but they're playing really well now i know that the competition hasn't been great which but we know that beeline has his defensive theories that he's pretty successful in implementing with the team it's early and some of these guys are young but you know like three sophomores did play in that system last year matthew played in it uh last year obviously simpson so to the extent the team is playing cohesive defenses early in the year, that doesn't surprise me because they all played it last year. And like we talked about in the out-of-conference previews, the, the theory is to run people off the three-point line and get them inside. And that's what they're doing. They're giving up more three-point shots than they're used to, but I think that's probably more indicative of the competition. They're really not worried about Norfolk State taking threes. They're, you know, if they want to shoot from three, great. I don't think they're going to be giving Villanova that amount of space. Villanova would be happy to take it, but I think you're then going to see Michigan and get into a shootout, which obviously, considering how they're playing, is not something they're going to want to do. So I, I think they'll play a little bit tighter against Villanova. I don't think their uh, inside defense is going to be as successful because just by virtue of Villanova's outside shooting, things are going to have to open up a little bit. But yeah, I mean, it's a legitimate it's a legitimate defense because it was a legitimate defense last year and they've returned They've returned another a number of players to at least hobble it together this early in the year, whereas Villanova and some of these other teams are still trying to put the system together. So I, I think the defense is legit. The offense, I just have to imagine, at some point is just going to have to sort of get back to where we think it's going to be. I hope that's not against Villanova. But, yeah, I mean, I think Villanova is going to have a challenge against Michigan's defense. Yeah, Jared has always lamented over going against Beeline, coaching against him. And I think just looking at last year's national championship game, Michigan was – Clamping down on Nova, they were frustrating the Wildcats in the beginning, at least, until Dante just absolutely took over, and we saw what happened from there. From there, there was just no looking back. I think this year will be pretty much more of the same. Maybe it'll be a little annoying for the Wildcats in the beginning, but once they just start clicking, figuring out that defense, it'll just be full tilt from there. I think it'll be interesting to see who sort of steps up for Villanova because depending on where Michigan starts to – I guess, get a little softer on defense, you know, whether they clamp down inside and they dare Villanova shoot threes, which I cannot see happening, but assuming Villanova's hitting, hitting from the outside and they start to extend the defense a little bit, it'll be interesting to see some of the young guys have maybe some space to take some guys off the dribble or work on that mid range game. I mean, we saw Phil Booth do it against Quinnipiac, but I'd be interested to see 
who else sort of have some quick moves inside because you may not be able to get to the rim, but if you can get a little bit of space inside the paint, people might be able to create some shots off the dribble, which I think is something we haven't really seen from a lot of these players yet, other than maybe Booth and Pascal. So I think it'll be interesting to see who steps up and maybe has a big game if Michigan's trying to, to shut down who they know is going to be a problem. Yeah, I, I kind of wanted to see Sadiq Bey in like against the real team. I want to see how he he responds to an actual defense. <laughs> Obviously, he's played strong these past two games, but I want to see if he's able to, to actually do something against a top five defense in the nation as of right now and see if he can adjust th- during the game if they do end up frustrating him. And I guess that just kind of goes for all the freshmen, really. Yeah, do you think any freshman just turns a corner, just magically hits a growth spurt basketball-wise? No, I'm not. I don't think they're just gonna, you know, magically turn into, you know, some fifth-year senior type player. But I, I would like to see some improvement against uh, some heightened competition, and and just to hope that <laughs> that there, there's some hope. Swider after the game he had against uh, against Quinnipiac, and hopefully Quinterly's able to turn a little bit of a corner here. Yeah, all, all eyes are definitely. I I would love to see how the freshmen do against. A legitimate defense for some of the veterans you kind of pretty much know what to expect but you know this isn't morgan state this isn't quinnipiac i would love to see how the five new guys cremo included react to this who do you think is going to be in the starting five i mean we've seen a lot of experimentation at this point maybe it doesn't really matter but who do you see jay going out with do you think he's gonna you know shuffle it up again or just go with an actual maybe this will be our starting five of the future I have to think he's probably still shuffling a little bit. I'm not really sure what his, you know, it's hard for me to predict what he's going to go with this. I think you're obviously going to get Ruth Pascal and Gillespie starting. But yeah, I mean, from there, I think they'll probably start Bay. And then for the fifth, I don't know, because I think, I think DCR would be a good choice if you want someone inside. But I think depending on what Michigan's going to be doing and who they're going to be focusing on, you know, maybe you want to go a little bit smaller to try and open up the three-point line because that maybe will expand Michigan and, and open up some room in the paint. Whereas if you try to go in, if you try to get a little bit bigger inside with either DCR or I guess Painter, or, or depending on you know what type of schemes you're going to be running for Pascal and Bay, I don't know. I, I think it'll depend on if Villanova's hitting threes. If Villanova's hitting threes, Michigan is going to have to adjust, and I think Jay can really do whatever he wants because he can basically play uh, a lineup depending on how the offense is clicking. But I think. I don't know. I just would be surprised if he went with DCR starting, but just because I think Michigan plays really great interior defense, and I think Jay might think, let's try to open this up a little bit, at least to start the game. Yeah, I think he just kind of, I, I think Jay's going to stick with the, the lineup he, he sent that last game. I, I, I like it. I like Cremo starting. I want DCR out there. And then obviously you got the, the three of Pascal Booth and Gillespie. So I, I think he, I think he'll stay with that. In the non-conference previews, we said Nova was going to win this championship rematch. Still sticking by it? And yeah. if so, by how much? Do you think it'll be a comfortable win? Maybe one of those where Nova just pulls away? Or do you think it'll actually be a, a dogfight in that Michigan's defense does clamp down on Nova? I think Villanova will win by like 10 or 12. Yeah, the, the non-con preview, I think I said it was a close game until somebody on Villanova steps up and just kind of runs away with it. I, I think the same. I, I'm still a believer in that prediction. I think, yeah. Probably double and probably ends up at a double digit win, comfortable win. I'm feeling much better about this game than I was at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, only because, like I said before, I think there was this idea that Michigan was sort of coming for revenge with with everyone that we saw at the national championship game, and I don't even think people realize how much they actually lost and what they're sort of left with. <laughs> so I'm feeling much more confident about our chances, especially how badly Michigan's playing on offense. I think worst case scenario, 
if this is a slow, ugly game, Villanova can at least keep it close. But, you know, Villanova's hitting – the offense has been pretty good uh, just in terms of scoring points and volume shooting. So I think we'd be able to, to bury Michigan there. But obviously, stranger things have happened. And if Michigan sorts of goes back to the offense that we think they're capable of having, it could be hard to predict. But, yeah, I think Villanova – could win this comfortably. I think it'll you'll, you'll be able to see early whether Villanova sort of cracking what Michigan's defense is doing, and then I think that'll set the tone for the rest of the game. Yeah, I got Nova by double digits, probably around twelve or fourteen. I think one thing that <laughs> we have done on the show in the past is we shouted out Livers, we shouted out Jordan Poole, and we shouted out Xavier Simpson, and how they were totally underperforming, shooting like fifteen percent, horrible shooting percentages. And then of course it's always the people who don't perform well. Or the people that we say, like, oh, you know, these, these guys are nothing really to worry about. Or they're doing horribly right now. They come out, have a breakout game. Just just because. It just just always happens on the show. Happened with Caden Reinhardt. Happened with a bunch of other people. Chris can Chris can attest to that. Pookie Hopefully Powell it doesn't was, happen tomorrow. Pookie Powell is probably the most notorious one out of that. Oh, Pookie Powell was definitely the most notorious one. Yeah, it'll probably end up being uh, probably be end up being Livers. Just watch. Poppy Livers is long-lost cousin. <laughs> and there you have it. There you have it. This is our post-Quinnipiac Michigan preview. Catherine, how's the written preview going? Are we are we in for a bunch of sass, a bunch of sarcasm? What, what's, what's on the menu for this preview? Uh, well, you'll be lucky to hear that because it wasn't the first game of the season, I haven't been able to spend four weeks reading about them like I did with Morgan State. So I think it'll be a little bit more free-flowing, unless you know, we should call in a wellness check on her and more – oh, this is actually an exciting game. I'm ready to watch. So it'll be a little bit more lighthearted. People obviously remember Michigan from not too long ago. Three games ago, actually, we played them. So I think it'll be more lighthearted, getting everybody ready and try to set up sort of what the difference is between this Michigan team and last year's team, because obviously that game is fresh in everybody's mind. But like we said, there's a lot of changes at Michigan. Just there are a lot of changes at Villanova. So as much as this is a rematch, it's basically two completely different teams. I can't wait. I know that you were... Brewing on that uh, Morgan State preview for a very long time. I didn't realize it was that much. <laughs> there was nothing else to do, and I didn't want to think ahead. I don't think ahead. Trap games. So I didn't think about Michigan. I was thinking about Morgan State. We're going to have a little shortened episode today. i got to get to a meeting. Sorry, no mailbag. Uh, we're just going to skip out on that. But we will be back for questions on Thursday. Please send them in. Tweet us at SONNpod or leave it in the comments section. But thank you for listening to the State of the Nova Nation. If you haven't done so already, please, please, please subscribe on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or Podomatic. Many, many options. And please rate us five-star, 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 five-star. It helps us get the show out more and to all the different nationers all around the world. And also, please always check back at viewhoops.com. We're going to have plenty of great content, including hey, Catherine's hey, preview. Eugene, View Hoops has taught you we don't want too many five-stars. <laughs> oh my god so there's one one five star and a couple four stars one five star four three stars with lots of grit and heart yeah passion attitude comes from a good family <laughs> and that one five star is supposed to start automatically so <laughs> We might just have to end it on that. That was just fantastic. <laughs> but yeah, check back at viewhoops.com. We're going to have all the good content, Catherine's preview, and so much more. Follow us on social media at viewhoops, and that's good for Twitter and Instagram. I don't even know who runs our Instagram nowadays. So Kaylee's no longer with us, but whoever's running it, you're doing a great job. You gave the passwords to too many people.
Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For all we know, it's like Young Buck and Friends. That'd be awesome. And you can follow me, Eugene Repay at Erepay5. And you can follow me, Chris Sanzial at the Stansman on Twitter. Oh, Catherine, you're not you're gonna plug yourself? Oh, you're not, yeah, you're not you gonna follow you know, me, I guess you won't. <laughs> CM Ryan sixty four. There you go. There you go. Everyone have a great day, and hopefully we can get this big win tomorrow over Michigan yet again.